in this edition of Hoopsology's In The Lab, Justin and Matt break down the blockbuster trades that went down, featuring Damian Lillard traded to the Milwaukee Bucks and Drew Holiday traded to the Boston Celtics. We also discussed the trades from all angles, from the winners and losers to the lasting consequences from the teams involved. You don't want to miss this chat. We got you covered from a Portland Trailblazers perspective, to the Phoenix Suns, to the Celtics, to the Milwaukee Bucks. We have a great discussion on tap for you. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest shows and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Hoopsology is presented by Ballas Life. And now, Hoopsology's in the lab. Welcome to another episode of In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am your co-host, Matt Thomas, joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Good, man. Good. <clears throat> Felt like this offseason was very quiet, and then all these trades happened, and now there's media days. So <laughs> we're back into it fairly quickly. How about yourself, man? Man, I'm doing great. As you know, as we talked about off air, I was up in your neck of wood yeah. of the woods this past weekend. Got to see Queens of the Stone Age in concert. It was awesome. Bucket list band on on my list, and they did not disappoint. So that was a lot of fun. Got to experience IKEA, which was was uh, you know an experience in itself. But good times, man. Things are good. Uh, how are things with you? No, things are good. Ikea's, yeah, that's always a fun time. We're there frequently just to kind of walk around and just get some exercise in. So that's always a a, a surefiable sight. We're in Colorado Springs uh, just checking out the zoo, um, just enjoying kind of this uh, beautiful weather before it gets a little bit colder up here. So, Yep, yep. We brought some of the colder weather down with us to Albuquerque. It's pretty windy and cloudy today, but... Um, yeah, don't sleep on the Swedish meatballs, you guys. If you haven't been right. to IKEA, check it out. <laughs> and you are 100% correct. We had kind of a really a lull between the draft and right now when this bomb was dropped on us. I mean, just rumors and rumors about Damian Lillard. And then it turns out not a lot of communication between the Miami camp and the Portland camp between like mid-July and now, as it turns out, they were kind of ghosted by Portland, uh, Miami was, and they go a different direction. And, and at this point, you guys probably know this. You've probably seen Damian Lillard was in Milwaukee greeting the fan base there. But just in case you've been under a rock or you don't know the specific details of this trade, we'll break that down. And then on Sunday, yesterday, at the time of this recording, we also had the Drew Holiday trade drop. So he was a part of this Damian Lillard trade and pretty consequential. He gets traded to the Boston Celtics, as you may well know uh, by the time you hear this. So we're going to break that down too. It's the biggest blockbuster trades of the offseason. So it warrants definitely some analysis here. We have contenders changing sort of their makeup in the Eastern Conference and maybe separating themselves as the top tier of the Eastern Conference. We'll talk about all that and more. Just quick reminder, you guys, hopefully you've been enjoying the interviews that we've been putting out. Uh, you can check those out. We had two that dropped last week. Uh, Deuce Mason being our most recent interview, talked a little bit Sacramento Kings, as well as the Pacific Division coming into this 2023-24 season. So be sure you check that out if you haven't yet. But enough of that. Let's break this down. So last week, at the end of the week, we get word about this 
monster Damian Lillard three-team deal taking place. And so here's what Portland gets. Drew Holiday, which of course, as we mentioned, he was later moved. DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 Bucks unprotected first-round pick, and two first-round pick swaps in 2028 and 2030. So there's what Portland gets initially, and we'll talk about Drew Holiday in a bit. Phoenix helps to foster this deal. We've known for a while about chemistry issues with DeAndre Ayton, their former first-round pick, the only guy picked above Luka Doncic. He gets moved um, to Portland, as we mentioned. Phoenix gets Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen from the Bucks, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. So they get some more depth, and they get slight well, I, I guess the total of the pieces don't give them cap relief, but the Nurkic contract is right now a cheaper contract than the Aiden contract. So if you're comparing starting centers, he's a little bit cheaper than Aiden. And I think the hope there, we'll talk about it, but is that the chemistry is going to be better and that's going to be the best fix for them. Milwaukee gets Damian Lillard, just straight up gets that piece. Wow. So... <laughs> then, as mentioned yesterday, Drew Holiday does get moved. He was a trailblazer for a quick minute. He gets traded for two first-round picks from the Boston Celtics, as well as Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon. So two younger pieces, a little bit more closer to the Portland timeline. So I want to start with Portland, Justin, and I want to get your thoughts on this because I think I think this may be the most consequential and, and maybe the most shine that the trailblazers get all season, depending on how Scoot Henderson looks. And if he's in the rookie of the year race, like we think he'll, he'll be, hopefully we talk about Portland more and more, but this is a big moment for them. No doubt. Give me your thoughts on their haul and maybe a letter grade. If you have it for the return that they got for Damian Lillard. Uh, good question. I think overall, this is a trade that needed to happen. I think on both sides, there's a lot of, I don't know, Drew call it, not harsh feelings, but just, you know, in a relationship where it's just time for both parties to separate, I think it came to that point. Mm. And I think for Portland, I would give it around a B. I think overall, they got some pieces to build towards the future, not to mention they have Scoot Henderson as well. Um, my question is with this franchise, as they've shown with Damian Lillard, they failed to build a great team around him. And then we'll hop we'll hop into it when we're talking about Milwaukee in terms of like his legacy and the pressure he has with Giannis. But can we really say that Portland had a phenomenal team with Damian Lillard around him? I mean, did they even when I think they were the third seed one year, right? I mean, it's just one of those things where I felt like I think overall with their front office. I don't really trust him. So overall, even though I think they did pretty well in this trade, I think long-term, I do have a concern. They haven't really shown the ability to put a legit contender. I mean, look at what we've seen with Sacramento. Look what we're seeing with even, you know, Oklahoma City. Their potential, I mean, OKC proves to be, you know, a top four seed. I mean, I think that's going to look kind of pretty damning on Portland in terms of having the superstar player, along with CJ McCollum, who is really solid. So I think they got, 
and they did pretty well with this trade, but I just don't trust their future just based on they having this, you know, top 75 player. And I, I, I think they underperformed just with Lillard's time there, in my opinion. Yeah, great points. I, I think, to your point, the deepest Portland team they had was let down by injuries. And I think that was at the very tail end of Brandon Roy, um, <laughs> which it's weird mentioning him. Haven't brought him up in a, in a while, maybe even ever on our show. They had him and LaMarcus Aldridge and Damian Lillard. And I, I think that was really a core that could have been special had it not been hampered with injuries. And then you see Aldridge leave. Eventually they bring in CJ McCollum and, and he does well. But you're right. I mean, never really felt like they were true contenders for the Western Conference. It, it was maybe they'll get to the Western Conference game. I don't think you or I ever had picked them getting out of the West into the finals. I, don't think so, I mean, yeah. maybe a puncher's chance, but nothing more than that. So I think great points. I, I do wonder too. I know that Joe Cronin hasn't been in charge for long in Portland. And you wonder how this could have looked differently because one thing I will give them credit for, and I like your grade of a B, that, that's what I wrote as well. Uh, I want to give them credit for waiting on this deal and not just taking the first thing that they they got and also not submitting because, of course, they, they didn't have to. Uh, Damian Lillard still has years left on his contract. They didn't submit to Miami, but I think at the same time, as upset as some people were on social media, but hey, when has there ever been a day people aren't <laughs> upset on social media? Uh, they did take him to a contender and they paired him with Giannis. And I, I do think that is in many ways a kindness to Damian Lillard. I think you could have seen maybe a bigger market in Brooklyn if they had been able to be part of that three-team deal and get Damian Lillard. But honestly, in terms of competing for a title, there are very few teams he could have gone to that have a better chance than he has right now in Milwaukee. So I do think at the end of the day, there should be no hard feelings between both parties. The reason I gave this a B as you did for this overall grade for Portland is that at the end of the day, they still gave away the best piece of this deal. They gave away a top 75 NBA all-time top 75 player by the rankings just last season who was still under contract for several years. So I still think there's a way that they could have kept him around. My mind goes to, and obviously Damian Lillard hasn't won titles, but my mind goes to Kobe Bryant requesting a trade from the Lakers and the Lakers said, no, 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 we're not getting rid of you. Sorry, you're under contract. You wonder if this could have played out the same way with the Portland Trailblazers, but you're correct. I, I think there was a lot of damage done in this relationship. It's been 11 years, and I am excited to see Damian Lillard have a more realistic shot competing for the title. Any other thoughts on the trade grade? Anything you heard just there? Um, I would just say that if you're a Portland fan, I think um, this is a spoiler. If we don't, if hopefully I won't jinx this, we'll have an insight. I don't want to um, say too much, but everything goes according to plan. We might have some more in-depth analysis on this in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I do think my question is going to be, it seems like there's some optimism towards the future compared to other teams in terms of their future being decimated, especially if Scoot Henderson proves to be, you know, what we think he's going to be. So 
if I'm a Portland Trailblazers fan, I would feel pretty happy about the future, all things considered. Agreed. Agreed. So another interesting part of this trade, uh, a detail that was brought up that I wanted to bring up real quickly. Damian Lillard and, and his camp said that if Miami was no longer an option, Lillard wanted to rescind the trade request and maybe stay with Portland. But it was reported that management in Portland basically said, nope, a line has been crossed and there's there's no turning back. The point of no return has been reached. You requested the trade. You're out of here, buddy. <laughs> so any problem, any problem with how that went down, how management handled that? I mean, do you think... You know, I mentioned he's the top 75 talent. You mentioned, and I, I agree, that, you know, there's there's been a lot of waffling on Damian Lillard's status the last three years or so. It's hanging over everyone's head, including Damian Lillard's himself. Any problems with management, you know, not letting him back once it was found out that it's not going to be Miami? Well, I think it's petty. I mean, it's one, mm. I mean, do you want to win or not? So I I get it. I mean, what Lillard was hitting on social media just through memes and songs that you want to go to Miami. I mean, I felt like I saw something every week about him wanting to, <laughs> wanting to bounce. So, but <laughs> I mean, uh, this is business. This is sports. This is not like a personal. They're not dating each other. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're going on, if you're you know, if you're in a relationship with your partner, you know, they're are seeking somebody else. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think breaking up is perfectly necessary in that instance. But I mean, this is business. This is sports. I don't, I think the objective is to win. And I think especially for Portland to make your franchise relevant, I would do everything to, you know, mend fences there. So I, I do sense it's petty. However, um, I think they got a pretty good package after him. So, I mean, let's just keep it real. Damian Lillard's older. And I don't see him playing until he's 40. So for Portland getting, you know, they have this rookie, they have the picks, and I'm not sure about the other pieces, but at least with that, um, you can build something towards the future. So even though it was petty, I don't know if they're going to really suffer any kind of long-term consequences for that. No, you bring up good points. I agree with you. It's business. I don't really have a problem with management kind of cutting it off, finally saying like, hey, this is done. Let's move on. This has gone far enough. I'm fine with that. I know some Portland fans are pretty upset about that, but you did get 11 years of Damian Lillard. You got a lot of entertaining basketball out of it. So I think, I think there's still a lot to be grateful for as well. Another point you mentioned that, that I think is valid. I mean, the last year of Damian Lillard's deal, I think he's making 60 million, maybe even a little bit more (laughs) the last year of this deal. And, you know, for an older point guard, shooting guard, combo guard, whatever you want to call Damian Lillard, that really not trying to be mean, but isn't isn't a threat or much of a factor on the defensive end. You know that that's scary. Now, I get, you know, the next two seasons or so in Milwaukee, you've got potential to do a lot here with this. And obviously, you know, you kind of worry about the last year of deals later on when you get there. And we've seen there are there are a lot of deals. I mean, we thought for a long time that Russell Westbrook couldn't be moved in his deal, and he was able to be moved. So 
there's a lot you can do. So I've, I like rolling the dice being aggressive about it. Um, so let's, let's look at some of the other teams here and talk about the implications here before we look at the trade overall and winners and losers, maybe Phoenix, we mentioned they get Nurkic, they get Grayson Allen, who I think is a useful piece. They get Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, guys who add to their depth throughout the regular season. Do you think, so I mentioned earlier, chemistry improves in Phoenix with Nurkic here. He's obviously not quite the athlete that Aiden is, and Aiden is quite a bit younger than Nurkic. But overall, just with the chemistry improvement, what are your thoughts on how Phoenix is looking and this added depth? I mean, are they overall better at the end of this, even if maybe their ceiling comes down a bit in terms of Aiden? So let's go Grayson Allen first. The way I feel about Grayson Allen is kind of the opposite of J.J. Redick. Remember, J.J. Redick got like a lot of hype out of college and then into pros. I think he was very much, I don't know, unfairly persecuted and just not respected as a player. And I think very undervalued. Mm. I think he was a very great pro, um, despite how I, <laughs> I like his you know post-career stuff doing with the media. But overall, I think he's very underrated as a player. Grayson Allen, I feel, is quite the opposite. He's like an agitator. Like, I don't know how much value he really brings to a team other than like kind of pissing the other team off. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever with him. Uh, Nurkic, this is very interesting because this was brought up with Bill Simmons in terms of um, with Aiden. And I'm of really two ways about it. I mean, I think Aiden has a lot of potential. There's sometimes where he looks spectacular. Sometimes he looked like a bust. However, I don't think Nurkic is the answer. <laughs> I think, I mean, when has this guy been healthy? I mean, he has not. And to yeah, me, fair. especially in this team where you're trying to make it happen now with all their superstars that they got, this is not a, you know, let's wait 10 years. This is now or never. And to rely on this guy, at least Aiden's more consistent <laughs> to me. I mean, mm. I, I don't know why they – I'm, I'm going to agree with Bill Simmons. I think trading Aiden, I'm not against. Participating in this trade doesn't really make any sense to me, to be honest. Mm. I mean, I understand all the stuff with Aiden. Again, I have been disappointed with him with the Suns because I think he had a lot of potential in this league. Um, at the same time – I don't get how this makes the this makes the Suns better at all. I think it probably exposed makes them deficient at center a lot more. Just because where Nurkic, uh, he's, he's you know you have players that get injury prone and I see something happening to him where he's hurt. So I I'm not a fan of this from a Phoenix Suns point of view. But again, with the superstars, I mean, if they all are cohesive, will it matter? I don't know. Yeah, great points. You know what's interesting to me, too, always about the Aiden thing is he didn't get along with Monty Williams. Like, there there was a huge chemistry issue there. And by all accounts, and by what you and I have seen, at least, I mean, Monty Williams, one of the nicest guys in the league. Agreed. Agreed. I, <laughs> so when there were issues brought up, chemistry issues between, I mean, Monty Williams and anyone, I mean, it's it's almost like if Monty Williams doesn't like you, then I, I have questions about you with all the things that I've seen from Monty Williams. But in Aiton's defense, to play the other side, I do think he gets in quickly. 
he's getting dunked on by Chris Paul, not literally, but emotionally <laughs> and mentally in practice. He's getting dunked on by Devin Booker in the same right. Always felt like he was kind of kind of like little brother getting picked on and was constantly the scapegoat for this team. And I think in in many cases unfairly. Now there were there were some inconsistencies in the playoffs where that was fair. But if you look at their run to the 2021 finals, the guy was a major factor and was super young and kind of lived up and justified in that season being picked over Luca. Now, how that plays out over time, obviously you and I think Luca is more talented and is probably going to be more favorably remembered than Aiton, but both guys super young. Point being, he... I think you're right in terms of he has a much higher ceiling and much more potential impact than like a Nurkic. So I really just wonder, and obviously Phoenix thinks that this is addition by subtraction and that the extra pieces that you get to sustain you through the regular season are going to help, but you're hundred percent right. And now you've got three guys in your starting lineup, at least, I mean, Booker had some injury issues, Nurkic, you mentioned his history, and KD just recently, as recently as last season, right before the postseason, has had injury issues, and he's had stuff in the past too. So it feels like you know you're you're building a team with some some glass knees and ankles, um, and and you're going to have to be holding your breath. So we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens here. I, I don't know if they're better yet or not. We're going to have to see. I think it's it's all going to depend on health. I think Nurkic maybe will be happier in a role that they wanted Aiton to play. Like, hey, you don't need to get so many touches. You don't need to get so much impact on offense. With Nurkic, I mean, they they could literally just tell him, hey, stay on your guy on defense. Give us a tiny bit of rim protection. We know that that's not his forte, but most of all, get rebounds. Get If you get rebounds, you will more than serve your purpose here for this team. You'll get extra shots for our guys. And I think Nurkic, at this point in his career, is more willing to make that sacrifice and maybe not score as much in order to better the team. Uh, granted, he, he does have a great post option from time to time, uh, you know, especially when you're considering that it's going to be the fourth option in this, this starting lineup. Um, so we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that. Of course, last piece in this initial trade, and then we'll talk about Boston too. Milwaukee gets Damian Lillard. I, I think Milwaukee losing drew holiday is kind of a big deal. And, and I think, it's been overlooked the defensive identity that, that he helped cultivate on that team. Uh, I think is real. They have a new head coach. They're going to be a, a very, I mean, not a hundred percent offense focused. I mean, Giannis, a very, very good defender. They kept Brooke Lopez. So the rim protection presumably is still going to be there, but this does feel like a shift to a more balanced team rather than a defense first type of team. And maybe that's a good thing for their title aspirations, but with Milwaukee now having this one, two offensive punch 
Giannis and Dame or Dame and Giannis, however you want to order that, you can make an argument either way. What are your thoughts on just the identity of, of the new look Bucks as you see them right now? Ooh, this is a risk, right? And I think as basketball fans, we have to learn just because he puts two superstars together doesn't mean it's going to work. Yes. Like, look what we saw in Brooklyn. I mean, how many people thought, oh, Bro- the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to be unstoppable. And while they're playing together, that was true. But look what happened. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, people can say, oh, well, these guys got hurt. Different things happened, pandemic, whatever. The bottom line is that it didn't work. <laughs> they wanted to leave in a very yep. badly. So it is what it is. So the good news compared to, I think, the Brooklyn situation, I think with Giannis and Dame, they appear to be more to work together. This seems to be more of a Golden State situation of wanting to win rather than having egos involved. So I do yep. see it working. However, Bill Simmons, I mean, <laughs> you brought up a good point. I mean, you're right. And Matt, you did the correct point as well with Drew Holiday leaving. You know, Damian Lillard is a, you know, liability defensively. And in this age where, you know, you're facing a lot of guards, man, it is just going to be very killer on just a nightly basis going up all against all those guys. And with Milwaukee, are they prepared to outscore teams? I mean, that's the basic question. And I think we've seen in the in the playoffs, you know, defense becomes way more of a factor compared to in the regular season. So I think that's going to be a huge question. And also what's on the line too is this is Giannis's contract year. So I think he has a player option coming up this season after. So to me, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, he can bounce after this season. Is that right? So I believe so. Yeah. If it doesn't work, I mean, what's really keeping him there? I mean, we're seeing guys as, you know, shuffle to other teams. So this is a huge gamble. Um, I want to ask you, Matt. So I Bill Simmons brought something up that was really interesting, is that's with guards, small guards, and them being just a liability defensively. And then particularly Damian Lillard, is he as good as I think he is? And I don't know, just us talking, I, I think we share the same opinion on him. I guess heading into this season where, and, you know, there's a lot of comparisons to him and Allen Iverson. You know, Iverson won MVP. Allen got, Allen Iverson got to the finals. At the same time, you know, that Eastern Conference, to my recollection, was terrible. I mean, to me, I think Damian Lillard had, I think, a far inferior team in a far tougher conference compared to Allen Iverson. So I guess my question is to you, in this scenario, is this team constructed enough to where we should have expectations of them winning the title? Or is it? do they have enough flaws to where if they don't get it done within the next one to two years, there's some room for, I guess, some um, compassion <laughs> if they, you know, don't win the title or they don't make it to the Eastern Conference. I guess, what is Eastern Conference Finals? Like, what is kind of the realistic expectations? Because the first hunch is to make up title contenders immediately. But uh, the league is pretty stacked with talent. And I mean, we'll talk about Boston in a second. I mean, that's going to be such a Herculean effort to get past them as well. So I just want to ask you, because right now everybody's assuming they're just going to win the championship where there's a lot of liabilities and flaws within the squad. Yeah, great question. To your point, right after the Dame trade dropped, Milwaukee four to one odds to win the title. Like leapfrog Denver, Boston, 
and one other team that I can't remember that was also up there uh, in the, the top four rankings. So they became instant title favorites. And then once Drew Holiday was traded, hilariously, uh, just days later, the title favorite immediately shifts to Boston. Uh, <laughs> so very interesting to see that in both cases. I mean, Denver, just like last season, feels like just just forgotten again, just yep. off in their own world, Which off in the Rocky Mountains, just yeah. chilling. Yep. <laughs> no, no media attention, but understandable. I mean, we're recency bias is is a huge deal in the NBA. But to answer your question, I think because of what the Bucks did in 2021. It's title or bust. I I think Hmm. they have a lot of the same framework here in spite of the pieces like Grayson Allen that were traded, like Drew Holiday that were traded. I think Milwaukee is one of the few teams, Boston might be the other, where I'm okay with giving up a little bit of that wing defense to get Damian Lillard and more potent offense because... Even if you do matador defense, you know, let them through, basically let them drive to the lane. You've got Giannis, who's a halfway decent rim protector, and Brooke Lopez, who's one of the best in the league. And and let's keep in mind that players are going to want to play with these guys. I'm not sure 100% what the cap situation is in Milwaukee at this moment, but if they can get some vet minimums towards, you know, bouncing off of the trade deadline and and those things that'll come up later, I think guys will want to play with this Giannis and Dame team. I think they realize um, these guys are professionals. They've shown that their entire careers and they're fierce competitors. So I, I buy into what Milwaukee is doing a lot, even though I don't like the downshift away from defense, but to answer your question about Makes expectations, I, I think totally it's title or bust. I, I don't think even Eastern conference finals is going to be enough. Yeah. If they lose wow. to the Celtics, I don't think you're, you're blowing up ultimately whether they win or lose this trade, is dependent entirely on if Giannis resigns or not. If he mm. resigns his deal, then I think Milwaukee wins this trade. I'm kind of burying the lead here a little bit because we're going to ask this later. But I, I think right now it's kind of tentative if Milwaukee won this trade or not. They did get the best asset of the trade, so you can make that case. But this is all ultimately, I think, geared about making noise for Giannis and getting him to resign. Cause if you do that, if you get three, four, five more years of Giannis, then this trade more than worth it. No, it makes sense. I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to work, but man, there's just a lot of this liabilities going on. It'd be a bummer if it doesn't. I think they're going to be such a cool combination to see. I think they're going to be such an awesome duo. Uh, but as a concern, I mean, I can't that can't be ignored in terms of that kind of liability there. But just with their attitude and their, like you said, Matt, their will to win, and I think we'll talk about that with the Celtics. That's going to be very interesting because to me, I mean, you bring up an excellent point. Milwaukee's been to the finals before, and even though Damian Lillard has not, it's just we've seen the Celtics. This their track record has not been that great, and I think with this. Lillard is finally getting an opportunity to play for a team that actually has a shot to win a title along with an MVP candidate. You know, and we've seen with the Heat too, like they just have such a, you know, not, I wouldn't even call it delusional confidence because they've been to the finals uh, pretty consistently. They have a realistic confidence. I mean, 
I would say, you know, the pressure is on them. But as we'll talk about later, I think there's another team that has more pressure than the Bucks, in my opinion. <laughs> of going mm, in a final yeah. Yeah, good point. You know, another thing that comes to mind, most title teams, especially teams going for their next title, so they've already won the title, they have added motivation. I mean, Draymond Green has talked about this. The the Bulls, the Last Dance Bulls talk about this. You get a guy that comes in who hasn't won yet, and that's instantly extra motivation for the guys on the roster. Like, hey, Giannis has his ring. Everyone that's with him that was on that 2021 team has their ring, but we need to get Dame his ring. We've we're on a mission now. Dame had all this time in Portland. He's NBA top 75. Let's get him his ring. And I, I love having that motivation. In some ways, I think that is it almost as strong, not quite, but almost as strong as I want to get my first ring. Yeah. It's, it's um, gives you another objective to keep pushing towards that greatness that, that all teams are looking for. That's an excellent point. No, it's true. So you mentioned it. Let's talk about the last part of this deal. Portland's total list of, of what they get. They get, let's see, by my count, three first rounders, two pick swaps, two first round pick swaps. So that's five total Wow. First rounders that they can at least mess with three new ones that are in the mix. Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, DeAndre Ayton, and Tumani Kamara, who may be the forgotten piece in this trade, sorry to say. <laughs> but that's that's a lot of big names, a lot of great assets. The last part of this trade, Drew Holiday, of course, being moved on Sunday. Traded for two of those first rounders, Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon. Robert Williams. Younger, often injured, unfortunately, over the last two seasons. And then Malcolm Brogdon also has had his own injury issues. And then there were chemistry issues, it seemed like. So he's he's been bouncing around. He started out in Indiana, has been very promising, played a great role for the Celtics, uh, and now is with his third team in Portland. In, in terms of what the Celtics gave up there in order to land Drew Holiday. You now have a starting five potentially, and of course pieces might switch here depending on who they want to bring in with the second unit, but you've got Derek White at point guard, presumably Drew Holiday at shooting guard. You've got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then take your pick of Horford or Porzingis for who starts as your, your center. Do you like what you know two first rounders robert williams and malcolm brogdon for drew holiday the value on drew holiday as a 33 year old guard is still sky high and I, i'm not saying that as an insult but do you like giving that up to get drew holiday for the celtics i do i mean you have to do something drastic i mean look at the celtics track record in the recent years right 2018, mm. 2019, lost to the semifinals to the Bucks. 2019, 2020, lost to the finals against the Heat. Um, 2020, 2020 to 2021, bubble, losing the first round to the Nets. 2021, 2022, um, they lose to the finals. And then last year, they get bounced by the Heat. I mean, at this point, we have to, this it, is, it's one of those things if you are in the Celtics organization, what is makes you happy? And the Celtics have a long lineage of winning championships. It's just, it is what it is. And 
if they don't to me this is championship robust i think the bucks have a lot more wiggle room just because of their deficiencies mm. and honestly just with the depth of that team the celtics i think are fully loaded and they have the track record to prove it if they lose if they don't win the title man i it's tough because it's it's one of those things where if you just say blow it up, I mean it's gonna take you know if you're ever gonna get back there, you're giving up all these, you know, two potential Hall of Fame players. But at the same time, what do you want? Do you wanna to try to win the championship or do you wanna just be consistently good and just kinda of have a shot? I mean, that's ultimately what the Celtics are gonna ask themselves. And I think with this Drew Holiday trade is proves that they wanna win now. And so I think it falls to me with Taven and Brown if they don't get it done. I mean I think the Celtics have done everything to their disposal to accommodate them winning the championship. And I feel, to me, all across the NBA, while I think there's plenty of depth, I don't get this. I don't feel like there's like five or three or five teams that are like significantly better than them or they have to go through them. I feel like they have a chance to, you know, win the NBA title this year. It's very, very within their grasp. So. Unless they lose in some kind of seven-game thriller, um, I, I think there's going to be some hard questions to ask of this from the Celtics fan base and just from the front office of Tatum and Brown. I mean, they they have to get it done this year. I mean, they have to. Hundred percent right. Couldn't agree more. I mean, this is like, you know, in in the newer Top Gun, he's got to get that ship in the in the beginning to Mach ten oh, yeah. or more, right? Yeah. And, and then he pushes it a little bit more. This is the Celtics pushing it a little bit more. It feels like this is not sustainable, especially with where they are in the salary cap. Now this is, we're putting all our chips in. Let's see, boys can, can Tatum and Brown get that title as co-headliners. We're giving you poor Zingas as your third best option. He's been mostly a second option on teams. He's been on in DC last year. He was a first option. Um, and we're, we're also giving you on top of that, you've still got Al Horford and now you've got Drew Holiday, who's considered, um, you know, rightfully so to be one of the top perimeter defenders in the league. So you've, I I would argue you've upgraded Marcus Smart to Drew Holiday. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the impact and maybe the little bit of emotional drop-off that they might experience in giving up Marcus Smart. But man, in terms of bringing in professionals and guys that can just straight up hoop, the Celtics have done a lot here. Are you concerned about, you know, their, their depth? Um, you know, like Grant Williams, they, they've lost him. They've lost Robert Williams. Uh, guys that could give Giannis specifically more problems than maybe what, what they have right now. I mean, Horford doesn't do terribly for his, you know, more advanced NBA age, but I don't know that Porzingis can really like lock down Giannis. I mean, nobody can lock down Giannis, but can slow down or, or try and somewhat contain Giannis. I mean, are you concerned with them going up potentially head to head uh, with the Bucks in that Eastern Conference Finals or wherever they land in the playoff matchup. Yeah, no, it's a huge concern. So you have to wonder if there's deficiencies there. Maybe you have a strategy where you let Giannis go nuts, but you make it up in some other way. I mean, I think I've seen with the trial record at this point, it's just not working. I think with the Celtics, you want to be, you want to win the championship. 
I mean, no disrespect to, you know, <laughs> our former uh, guests with the Sacramento Kings or Oklahoma City Thunder or the Pelicans. I mean, it, it's to be great for them to have this track record that the Celtics have. I mean, but, I mean, the Celtics is one of the elder franchises in, in all the sports. And while they're, they're at the top recently, I think this track record, I think you just have to try something else. Now, of course, injury is the biggest thing, right? This people get hurt, you're you're up the creek. So you're right. I think one, a couple of injuries, and maybe we've seen Porzingis, as much as I've been a fan of his, he is injury prone. So I yep. mean Horford too. Yeah, both of them. So to me, that's that's a huge concern in terms of like you're talking about the the depth issue. So yeah, there's just huge concern. That's why it's kind of all or nothing. A lot of teams, a lot of desperation. I kind of like it because it kind of <laughs> it's yeah, it makes teams play harder to me, they're desperate to win. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see just on a nightly basis, especially we talked about, I think a couple of episodes ago about like the load management and that's, yeah. you know, a lot of these teams don't have great chemistry. They're not having, not like they've played for five years. They're, you know, they're trying to get it together during the season. So they need to be out there playing with each other um, before playoff time. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting just to see, you know, if they can just stay healthy and they can just kind of, you know, keep everything afloat until playoff time. So, yeah, it feels oddly like with, you know, the shift in gears, the yeah. Celtics are a little bit more like the Phoenix Suns of the East. I mean, mm-hmm. some, some guys with injury Agreed. concerns, a very, very top heavy team. That's potentially the greatest starting five that we'll see in the NBA if they're healthy. But again, another big if so, couple more questions winding down towards the end here from what you're seeing right now. We don't know if Giannis has resigned. We, we know that's a major concern for Milwaukee. Obviously, if he doesn't resign, then, oh boy, you can't imagine Damian Lillard is going to be happy either um, in Milwaukee. So give me your thoughts right now, what you're seeing, who won this trade, or if you don't have an outright winner, is there anyone who you feel kind of lost this trade or, or disappointed? And so all our players here, Portland, Boston, Phoenix, and Milwaukee, let's say for right now. I would say Phoenix lost this trade. <laughs> mm. um, and I think the other teams, I think it's kind of, you have to wait and see how it plays out. Um, I think from a Milwaukee poor, I think honestly, from a long-term perspective, if Portland drafts well, Portland, but if they suck, I mean, if they make terrible picks, then you know, I obviously they have they didn't win this trade. So, I think it just kind of depends on what you want as like what you view as success, uh, because you have the Bucks and the Celtics already at the top of the mountain, and you're just they're looking to push over the top. So, I think for sure the Suns, and then I think it's kind of a incomplete grade for the other teams. Yeah, yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I. I don't have the Suns losing just yet. I, I need to see this team in the regular season because even last year, it felt like we didn't get to see much, you know? Um, but I think your points are well taken that they may have downshifted overall in, in terms of their ceiling. Uh, I have Portland and Milwaukee both winning. Portland may be slightly behind just because they gave up the best asset in this trade. But when you look at trading your franchise star, I feel like they got a better deal out of this than say like Orlando when they traded off Dwight Howard way back when um, back, you know, in the, in the 2010 uh, year, I believe that was. Um, 
So I think Portland got a great haul, all things considered. And then they were able to flip for even more assets with Drew Holiday. Uh, so you look at the list of in total what they netted here. And I think it stacks up well with other comparative star trades um, in in league history. I think this is better um, than what Denver got for trading Carmelo Anthony. And that was a pretty good haul for the Nuggets back then when Denver traded Carmelo to New York. Uh, so I think this does compare with that at least. And I do think there's potential. You see Aiden Bloom next year with kind of, you know, maybe those shackles of pressure from the Suns roster and management being off of him. Maybe he he's got the freedom to explode and be a star, a potential star in the West. So there's always that potential too, even if they don't land like a, a top tier star in the draft. Cause you're right. There's gray area. We don't know how good those draft assets are going to be, even though there's a lot of first rounders there. Um, another point to make here before we, before we head out and, and say goodbye, how disappointed are you for the Miami heat? And, uh, look in, in my opinion, I, I forgot to say this earlier, so I'll say it now. I like Damian Lillard's fit on Milwaukee a lot better than I would have liked his fit on the Miami heat. Um, I, I don't, I think they're going to need to, fill in their depth a little bit more, maybe moving Lowry for a mix of pieces, even if it's not as high value pieces as obviously what they were hoping for. I think that team still has a lot of shifting to do. Yeah. And I don't know that Damian Lillard honestly would have solved a lot of their problems overall. I, th I think he would have made them weaker defensively more significantly than he has done for Milwaukee at this point. Um, so I, I spewed out my thoughts there, but in terms of your thoughts on the heat, I mean, how disappointed should they be? Is this as big of a letdown as heat fans, heat media, some media that I've seen are making it feel? Well, I think if you're a heat fan, it's like, what is, what is new? You know, it's just like, you're underestimated. You're going to be written off. I mean, at the same time, they're known for being just the underdog. I mean, who would have picked them last year to have the run that they would have had over the Celtics, right? So to me, right. yeah, it's a bummer not getting Damian Lillard, sure. But at the same time, this team has adapted for so many years in this in a, in a stronger Eastern Conference. So if I'm a Heat fan, I'm like, well, all these other teams have deficiencies. We're back. Jimmy Butler's healthy. I Tyler Hero. Tyler Heroes, yes, right. And now I would say, you know, talking to um jeremy Taché, he had brought up a good point you know tyler hero is involved with a lot of those trades that does take a toll on you mentally and i think True. that's a question we saw with like um with the joker with Jokic, you know with the mvp talk that fueled him he was able to overcome that and they won the title with tyler hero will that with the, under the mentorship of jimmy butler will that motivate him will he have an edge or could it be a thing that might hold him back I mean, that's kind of going to be the key. And especially if Tyler Hero is going to be playing with an edge, you know, it could make the Heat very, very dangerous. So it kind of depends on what the Heat want to do. I mean, they're always disrespected. They're always underestimated, always written off. So, I mean, if I'm a Heat fan, I, I'd be pretty arrogant, a little bit arrogant saying, like, I mean, we beat you without him last year. I mean, you got him, whoopsie-doo. I mean, 
you, there's been other teams that have had more superstars, more hype, and the Heat have performed better than those teams. So, um, barring any terrible, and, and also too, the Heat, they're used to being the fourth seed, the fifth seed, you know, not being highly ranked and still succeeding in the playoffs. So, if I'm the Heat, I'm not really sweating it to be honest. Is it a disappointment? Sure, you, you know, he's a top seventy-five player. Damian Lillard's awesome, um, but at the same time. Just kind of remember your history. <laughs> I mean, Miami's track record has been pretty great over the past few years. So, Great points. I would add, <clears throat> I think Tyler Hero is the type that's going to be fired up. I, I think maybe an awkward week of opening practices, you know, but all in all, I, th- I think he's going to be fired up. I, I would bet on him overperforming uh, for this upcoming season and wanting to really prove his worth and value there. Uh, if not for staying in Miami for – being able to potentially lead his own situation on another team down the road. If, if they're looking to still do something at the trade deadline, I mean, he's, he's got incentive to do that for sure. Last question, Justin. And then I know we got to go big topics today though. So this is fun chatting through this. We now have with Denver Phoenix, you have Nurkic versus Jokic. Both guys played for Denver early in their careers. There was a while there where there was an argument. Do we keep Nurkic or do we keep Jokic? seems like Denver made the right call on that. No disrespect to Nurkic, who who has been a great professional basketball player, but you see what Denver's doing. So we have that tie-in now with Nurkic being on the Phoenix Suns. He got a little little more heat on that rivalry that's already kind of hot with Jokic shoving Ishbia last postseason and all that nonsense that went down. And then you've got... Milwaukee versus Boston, you know, not, not saying these are going to be your conference finals. We'll see how it stacks up. Could, could very well be, you know, we'll predict this at some point, um, whether those will be our teams or not, but Milwaukee versus Boston. Now you have this great element of Drew Holiday, of course, joining the Celtics. He's got maybe all the secret plays still stored in his mind that this Milwaukee team likes to do and their tendencies. He's bringing that to Boston, if you had to pick one or the other, I mean, they're both potentially great new rivalries for the league to hopefully foster. Like you and I have been talking about, we've been craving some more NBA rivalries developing. You've got scenarios here where this could happen. Which one personally are you looking forward to the most between those two? Uh, personally, bias, probably Denver Phoenix. Mm. I think the bummer is that the media doesn't respect Denver. So I think from a national perspective, Milwaukee and Boston's probably going to get more of the love in terms of, you know, oh, the yeah. heat and that rivalry. But I mean, the more bad blood is with Denver and Phoenix, in my opinion, mm. just in terms of how they play each other. So to me, that's what I'm looking forward to. I think, you know, Milwaukee and Boston, I mean, that's, that's going to be a great rivalry as well. I think Denver and Phoenix just have more history. And I think for a rivalry to foster itself you just need history you just need the games you need the moments and i just think with milwaukee and boston you need to need much more of that to be considered a top rivalry or i think denver and phoenix has that already but at the same time you know phoenix has the superstars denver from a perception standpoint even though i don't think this is true they don't even though they clearly i think with jamal murray and the joker I think they're the most elite, some of the most elite players in the league. But from a national standpoint, you know, people sleep on Denver. You know how this national media are. If you're not one of the top teams, they're just going to ignore you. So um, I'll go with Denver and Phoenix. 
No, I, I love that answer. And you've also got that dichotomy of it's kind of the contin- the continuity team yeah. versus the superstar, like just flown in here through free agency or trades or, yeah. or what have you, uh, and kind of stitched together real quickly kind of team like this, you know, su- super team, uh, really, uh, that you've, you've just kind of like hit the cheat code and, <laughs> and forced it in there. <laughs> I think that's a great dichotomy that fans are going to be, uh, you know, even like a casual fan, I think like personally, I mean, I, I love the continuity of Denver. That's one of the reasons there, I, I would say my side team, you know, <laughs> um, if, if my rockets aren't there, then I'm, I'm happy to root for Jokic and the nuggets kind of pull for them a little bit. Uh, as I've mentioned before on the show versus that Phoenix team that, you know, so, some fans don't like it when you have these these forced in teams that happen really quickly like this when players are bouncing around a little bit more quickly. I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch play out as as we get into the postseason next year. No, totally agree. Well, we got to wrap up. We went nearly an hour here on these trades, but it was super impactful. So I'm glad that we talked about it. And if you guys enjoyed it, Give us a like, subscribe, share. Would love to know your thoughts in the comments on who you think won the Damian Lillard trade. Who do you look forward to seeing face off against each other next season? And does Milwaukee lose if Giannis doesn't re-sign ultimately? I mean, was was this trade sort of in vain? Let us know your thoughts. We'd be curious to hear. You can also let us know your thoughts on email as always. If you'd prefer to do that, keep it a little more private. Hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Check out our archive with all the interviews that we're releasing as well as these in the lab episodes. You've got some time to catch up on that before the season starts. If you are hungry for basketball content, speaking of which, We have another great episode coming out later this week that you're really going to enjoy. Won't spoil it right now, but be assured it's coming your way. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Thank you for listening or watching. Peace out. Talk to you soon. See you next time.